Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just give you the nuggets, and I'm going to sit down because we won't get there today. Uh, the title of the message is, uh, would have been uh, a continuation of faith in God's mercy. Faith in God's mercy. If the video department would go ahead and put up nugget number one, I would appreciate it. Amen. Some of you, it's difficult for you to read sitting down. Would you please stand, everyone? <clears throat> Ready? Read. Would you read that again? Would you read that to your neighbor? Would you read that to your other neighbor? It's, it's so important. I know we have several nuggets, but, but, but it's so important that you grab a hold of this one because one of the number one ways that Satan stops us is through condemnation. And, and the reason condemnation is so strong and prevalent with us is because we don't know the word of God, it, meaning that we really don't know how much God loves us. And, and we really do think that, that we can do something that cancels God's love because we, most of us have experienced that we can do something to a person and their love is canceled toward us. And we think God is the same way. We think that we can do something so bad that even God will withdraw his love. Where in reality, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing that you have done that would stop God from loving you. Now, we don't rejoice over that like we should because with our limited ability to understand what love is. And so because we're so limited in understanding in revelatory way of the love of God, we battle as Christians with condemnation every time we miss it. And sometimes we can struggle with condemnation over something we've done 10 years ago. We have to remind God we did it. Nugget number two. Under the old covenant, let's read together. Under the old covenant, there were two basic types of disobedience. Under the old covenant, there were what? Two basic types of disobedience. It's important that you understand this. One is sin, and the other is transgression. Now, under the old covenant, there was no there was no forgiveness. There was no propitiation. There was no cure for transgression. Are you listening to me? As a matter of fact, the only thing you could do for a person who had engaged in transgression was to kill them. Under the old covenant, when a person transgressed, sometimes they didn't just kill the person who transgressed, they killed everybody in their family. 
to kill the seed off. Transgression. Nugget number three, please. Anybody here other than me, Mr. Mark? Let me just put both mine up. Anybody here ever missed the mark? That's all sin is. That's all sin is. And it's amazing how we can see sin in other people's lives and can't see it in our own. And we're hard on people when they sin. But we want a lot of mercy and understanding. When we sin. So sin is just simply to miss the mark. To know what is right to do and just don't do it. Anybody here saved? Put your hand up. Keep it up if you're saved. Have you missed it since you've been saved? I'm waiting to see two hands on everybody. Isn't it amazing? You're saved, but you sin too. You sin and you save. All that means is that you're trying to live for God. But in your efforts in trying to live for God, you've made mistakes. You've committed sin. And under the old covenant, there was forgiveness for sin, but not transgression. What nugget are we on now? Nugget number four? Nugget number four. Go ahead. Well, just spell it since you can't say it right. <laughs> Bless him, Chief. Y'all better watch it on the front row. We can hear you. <laughs> so you see the difference, Minister Jones, between sin and transgression. Sin, I'm trying to do right to this newlywed couple, the Wallaces. I'm trying to do right. But in my efforts to do right, I made a mistake. I sinned. But transgression is not sin, and sin is not transgression. Transgression is rebellion. I know it's wrong. I've been taught that it's wrong. Every fiber of my being is convulsing because it knows it's wrong, but I do it anyway. I know where I'm going is wrong, but I'm driving anyway. Ain't nobody saying nothing now. I know what I'm about to do because I planned it. I've done all the calculations. And when I get to the end of my equation, I sort of sense and feel that even though it's wrong, I can get away with it. That's transgression. And under the old covenant, there was no remedy for transgression. The only thing you would do with a person who engaged in transgression was to stone them. Because anybody, say anybody, anybody anybody can make a mistake. 
But for you to call yourself a Christian or a believer and practice sin. And it got quiet. See, you're not practicing sin. You're practicing transgression. And you know it's transgression because when I preach about it, you get mad. I mean, you know it's wrong. You know God said it's wrong, but you're going to do it anyway. You're in transgression. And your transgression is a result of you being rebellious. And the Bible says, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I'm getting some looks, Lord. Give me another nugget. Uh, Let's go to nugget number five. Uh, give me number six. Read that again. That's where most of us get in trouble. It's not that we make mistakes. We're just not quick to repent. Everybody makes mistakes, even that person you're standing next to who's trying to act like they're an angel. Everybody makes mistakes. But you have to be quick. You don't go to bed. You don't sleep on it. You don't wait till you feel like it, and you don't wait till you get caught. Give me another nugget, Jesus. Nugget number seven. What I want to know today, are you a sheep or a pig? Well, I don't want you mad at me. I want you mad at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you a sheep or oink, oink? Ooh, Jesus. Everybody stand, if you can stand. I close on this note. I want you to grab somebody by both hands. And you may have to do two people. Because I believe somebody's going to get a release this morning. If you would. Can you look them in the eye? With both eyes. Well, if you got two people, it's three of you. Use one eye for one and use one eye for the other. And some of you got it like that. Your skill. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> Say, neighbor. If you fall into sin. Don't stay there. Repent. And get up. And follow God. Come on, tell them again. Say, neighbor, get their name. What's your name? Bob, James, get their name. Susan, 
Nadine, Rebecca, Shanene, whatever it is, James, get their name. Then call them by their name. James, if you fall, Well, we're going to change that if. We're going to change it to when. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. Because if you live long enough, something's going to happen. James, if you fall in sin, don't stay there. Get up. And repent and follow Jesus. If every person would embrace what you just said, condemnation would leave this room and it would leave our followers on E-Church right now. And the devil will not be able to torment you about you don't qualify for God to do something for you. The devil is a lie. Your qualifications does not come from you. Your qualifications come from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you miss it, repent and tell God you're sorry and mean it and get up and walk with God. Put your hands together and thank God for that truth. You, you may be seated. If time will permit itself today, I would take you to 2 Samuel. But time doesn't permit because to really explain to you 2 Samuel, I would have to give you an overview of 1 Samuel. Because 1 Samuel talks a great deal about the victories of David. And all of my Christian life, pretty much, in all of my studies, I've always struggled to some degree about God's comment about David. I didn't really fully, in a revelatory way, understood or understand how God could say that David was a man after his own heart. And then I went into deeper study and I began to understand that the Spirit of the Lord, you see, when you're reading the Bible, you can just read it like a book, but it won't make any real impact in your life unless the Holy Spirit gets involved. Because there's no humanly way for you, you to understand it other than understanding it from an educational perspective. Are you following me? You read the book, you can quote things, but you just understand like any other textbook. But, but for it to be life to you, it has to be God-breathed. And, and that breath has to breathe on you where you become a living spirit. Are you all listening to me? So you hear people say, I read the Bible and I didn't get nothing out of it. I read the Bible and I didn't understand it. That's because the Holy Spirit didn't give insight. He didn't give illumination. And sometimes he didn't give illumination because they didn't qualify or their motives were wrong. 
Are, are you all listening to me? And so God said, David was a man after his own heart. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm not that bad. I mean, I've done a lot of things, but, you know, I haven't killed anybody to cover it up. And yet, David did all these things, and God said he was a man after his own heart. But what the preachers failed to share with us is that David sinned, God noticed it, and God judged it. But what the preacher failed to share with us is that when David sinned, it was out of the ordinary. Oh, Jesus. It got God's attention because David was acting out of character. That means that David didn't have a lifestyle, come on preachers, of practicing sin. And the thing that got David in trouble was transgression. Now, I'll come back to this later, but just let me just do an overview because we've been real hard on David. And God charged David for the sin. But to you sisters, I don't believe Bathsheba gets off totally and completely. Just indulge me for a moment. Because if David would have been where he was supposed to be, we wouldn't have this story in the Bible. Come on, say yes to that. But if Bathsheba hadn't been taking a bath in public, come on, get on Bathsheba, sisters, like you do, David. Now, I know it's not in Scripture, but you can't prove me wrong. And that is, she was out there taking a bath. Did she know? You can't prove me wrong. Did she know that the king didn't go with the men to battle? And did she know that there were always occasions where the king would walk on the, the rooftop? Maybe Dave was walking out there wondering how the battle was going. Maybe he had a lot of heavy things on his mind. You can't prove me wrong. And he's walking on the rooftop. And then all of a sudden, he see, the Bible said, didn't say a naked woman, said a beautiful Naked woman. Now, y'all stay with me. You keep laughing because I'm going to bring it home in a minute because some of these sisters are half naked now walking around, even in church. See, it got quiet. See, if I, if I don't say nothing, they get quieter than this. 
But did Bathsheba know that if I take a shower at this time, there's a great possibility that King David will see me? And did Bathsheba think, I know if he see this, Now keep a smiling face because you got a lot of sisters walking out in public showing stuff. And is she showing it because she's thinking in her mind, if her brother see this? Don't tell me you don't want him to see it. If you didn't want him to see it, you would have covered it. I got six women clapping, the men are scared. (laughs) Now, don't tell me you don't see it. Because you don't leave without looking in the mirror at least 10 times. Don't tell me you don't see it, because it's out. And who are you trying to tempt? Now, now I know I'm getting a little old fogey now, because in the holiness church, they used to talk about it. But since we don't hear them talking about it much anymore, look at what we're seeing today. And, and I enjoy praise and worship, but I don't want to have to close my eyes to keep them off of you. So I can stay in the spirit. You know how short that dress is. And you know how tight it is. I know brothers don't leave me hanging. I need help. So today, you don't need an imagination. And it's causing a lot of trouble. And don't tell me you don't see that woman running through your neighborhood with spandex on. Stephen Wonder can see it. And, and, and hear me. And don't tell me you're so spiritual. Because I know you're not when nobody's looking. Don't tell me you don't see it. But sisters, don't tell me that you don't know what you're doing. When your layer of garment is showing every curve you got, that when I look at you, I need no imagination as to your shape. And every time I encounter you, I have to battle against a spirit of lust. And I don't mind battling against the spirit of lust outside of these walls. But I shouldn't have to come to church and have to turn my head. And what is wrong with your mind that you're comfortable showing your parts to another woman's husband? 
Some of y'all were saying I ain't heard her amen since I started on this. But that's why we have so much fornication and adultery in the church. I can walk the aisle, partner. And yes, David was wrong, but you're wrong, Bathsheba, for tempting him like that. And we're showing things today that only our spouses are supposed to see. Now, I'm not saying we need to go out here you know, and act like, you know, the Muslims and, and you know, do your, but, but when's the last time you saw a Muslim woman and thought you saw something? All you saw was some eyes. <laughs> now, if you get hot over that, you, you know, hey, take care of you and Jesus. <laughs> man, I saw her eyes and man, it turned me on. But the people of God, you see more than the eyes. You see their whole anatomy with their supposedly clothes on. And we become so desensitized now. I remember when the sisters started wearing spandex and they would wear shirts over top of the spandex that would hide their behinds. Now they don't hide them. Y'all not ready for me today. And it got quiet. But you can't prove me wrong. I think Bathsheba was as fought as well. If David would have been out there on the front line in battle, he never would have fallen. But if Bathsheba had never been out there half naked or naked, David or Bathsheba would have fallen. Are you all listening to me? And then the Bible says that King David saw her. I'm trying to help you men because all you need is one look. Then women don't understand that. They're getting quiet. I just don't understand how you can do it, say what you say, and you tell me you love me. They do love you, but they saw something. That's why most of your, you notice most, most of your advertising always got a pretty woman. Don't have nothing to do with that Chevrolet. But you got these old men running down to the Chevy dealer looking for a new car, don't have money for a new car, but he's really looking for that model that he saw standing by that car. Where, where's she at? Everything being sold have a sexual overtone to it. It's not an accident. 
And it's not an accident that more magazines and movies are shown or purchased by men than it is women. Because men are more stimulated by what they see. Because you can't touch a woman unless there's something in her heart for you. Unless she's something else. Oh, average woman won't let you, she won't even let you kiss her unless there's something about you she's liking. Where men will kiss something if he think nobody's looking. And women don't understand that. That's why the devil works overtime in a marriage to make sure the wife cuts the faucet off. Because when the faucet is off, his sensitivity to what he sees go to a whole nother level. And then the Bible says, if a man look upon a woman and lust after her, he has committed adultery already in his heart. Well, I was going to cut it short, but you can't go nowhere out there, man. So I'm going to deal with this subject. And I believe when I share with you these truths about David, as I said, 1 Samuel deals with his victories. But you really do need to study 2 Samuel. For he was the king until he died. He had trouble. Once he committed this transgression, he had trouble in his house to the day he died. So you can commit a transgression and God can forgive you for it and he will but the penalty of it can last you a lifetime. Are you listening to me? And so the only reason David was not consumed was because of God's mercy. And I'm not throwing stones at David. Because if God had not extended to me the same mercy he extended to David, I'm not standing here today. Are you listening to me? I've been a pastor for a long time, and I've made a lot of mistakes as a pastor. But I thank God for his mercy and his grace, and I thank him for not telling you. And you should thank God for his grace and his mercy that he forgave you, and he didn't tell me. Because I tell it. <laughs> but if the Lord God so chose at this moment to start putting each of our lives up on this screen, starting with the front row. I don't want to start with the pulpit. Start with the front row. Many of us who are from the Baptist background, we will uh, put up our, when it starts getting close, I, I got to use the bathroom. I think I left the roast on. My friends are waiting on me outside in the parking lot. My Uber driver just texts me that he's out front. Thank God he doesn't do that. That's why it is so evil for you to sit 
all self-righteous and act like you're holier than thou. Like you do everything right. Thank God for his mercy and his mercy endureth forever. Can you put your hands together and thank God for the word today? I'm, I'm going to get to it. But this is uh, Educational Sunday. They got a number of things that they need to, they need to do. And I want to afford them time to do it without any of you leaving. I don't know how you can leave when we're talking about acknowledging and celebrating people's accomplishment in academia. But I do want to say this while some of you are sitting and some of you are standing. And both positions are fine with me. But I want to charge every person in this room before too many days have passed, more than two days, that you take the liberty to read Matthew chapter 24. And sit down when you read it because it'll scare you. But it'll also help you to see where we are. Isn't it amazing how people act like they don't know and don't see? There's, uh, there's famine. There are forest fires. There is, uh, what do they call it when things are dry? There's, there's droughts in our country. Uh, to, today, uh, as a matter of fact, the other day, we broke records for the first time in the history of our nation of a heat wave. That, that, that has been the hottest time on record. And, and nobody's taking notice. It's, it's hot in places that used to be cold. And it's cooler in places that used to be hot. Nobody's even taking notice that people are killing each other like flies. Fathers are hating sons and sons is hating fathers and mothers are hating daughters and daughters are hating mothers. Politicians are fighting because they're not answered. And whoever you vote in 2024, that won't change anything either. As a matter of fact, America ought to be ashamed of herself. Really ought to be ashamed. We got these two old 80-something-year-old men fighting for the, the number one office in the country. And my heart goes out to President Biden. I pray for him. Got that man trying to act like he's 13. He's trying to run up the steps to try to show the world like he still got it. And we can see, you, you can see the difference between every step. Got that man running. And so a, a Republican tried to put me in a corner. And you can't put me in a corner. And I'm not for a Republican or Democrat. But I said it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an indictment against this nation that the world is watching supposedly one of the greatest uh, nations on earth. Two old men who should be at home with their grandchildren. And you can't tell me out of 320 million people that we don't have two younger people who are qualified, at least got the energy. You know, mess around and kill that man. Then you got him running, supposedly, for another office, another term. That'll make him almost 90. 
It's like me running around up here at 80 years, and I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm not going to do it. And the reason I'm not going to do it, it wouldn't be fair to you. In a few days, I will be 70 years old. Let me go ahead and pull my pants up. But I'll be 70 years old. And the reason I look like this is because God is good. I don't drink, so my skin is not dried out. I don't smoke, so I got a head full of hair. I didn't burn it off. Are you listening to me? I looked at it like this because I'm trying to live for God. And God is restoring my youth. But it would be unfair to you as a pastor and a leader to not begin to position this church for a successor. And you're out of your mind and you don't care about the next generation if you don't allow me to do it. Because the only way for me to have longevity is that I have to pass this baton to a younger man so that I can sit on the front row and be a counselor and help him move this ministry to a whole nother level. And I don't want the person who take my place to have to do it like Joel Osteen, who I know and support. He had to take it because his daddy died. And I don't want to die before somebody takes this position. I want to be there. I want to be there for the person who take my place like dad, dad here, what's been here to, to counsel me and to be an inspiration to me. He's watched me and his wife. They've watched me grow. I want to be here to pray for my predecessor. The counsel, go this way, son. Don't go that way. Do this. Don't, look out for this. It doesn't mean I won't speak, but I don't need the pressure of having to preach to you every Sunday. And you need to grow up and mature and not stay home when you don't think I'm here. And you need to see my replacement. You need to see him. And you need to have patience to watch him grow. I would not insult you. I know who it is. And I'm working with them. When the time is right, Bishop T.D. Jakes will be here in this pulpit in a few more months or a few more days. Are you listening to me? So there's some decision I have to make with your best interest at heart. And my wife want me to be here. To you young ministers, where's Jay and Jones and some of the others? You don't understand the pressure it is when, when your name is called, Mignon, when your name is called again, Minister Ben, it's, you, you don't have a clue what it's like to stand up here and look at people. And to feel those who are for you and those with which you get lockjaw. And how you have to plow through that. 
and stand under these burning lights, in my case, for 30-some years. You should want to see my replacement. And you should want me to see him. Come on now. I know I'm not going anywhere, but I'm trying to get you to change your mind, to make the shift. I know that my time is coming to an end of doing this. Why? Because it takes more time for me to recover. They say when a preacher preaches on Sunday, that's like 40 hours of work in eight hours or in one session. And what it pulls out of your body, how it drains on you physically, it will literally kill you if you don't handle it correctly because you can feel the weight of your people. Are you listening to me? And I would be a poor leader to die and this ministry dies because I'm dead. It should go even to a further level. And I believe I've heard from God and we'll appoint the right person. They'll take this thing to a whole nother level with me by their side as a counselor and a guide. Not telling them what to do because I'm going to, they've been trained to hear from God for themselves. But this to be there to judge it like God has placed men in my life to judge my doctrine so that I'm not teaching false doctrine to the people. Can somebody say, I know y'all don't like hearing a whole lot of that, but I thought I would inject that. Because in a few days, I will be 70 years old. How many days I got? I got 99? That's my wife, she's counting it down. Tell you what, it might be 99, but you're going to get a different 70-year-old man than the past guys of 70 years old. Hey, man, hey, hallelujah. My oven is still cooking. Glory to God. But I don't want to use all of my fuel in this pulpit. I love you all so much. If you didn't hear anything today, it is not God's will for you to walk around in condemnation. Everybody around you who looks holier than you and they look and act more saved than you and they act like they know God better than you, all those people around you who are acting like that, they have shortcomings too. And some people's issues are more visible than others. But we all have an issue. I'll never forget a young lady in this church. She said she was handicapped and uh, she told my wife and I was able to hear it. She said, I don't want you all to feel sorry for me because, you know, they call me a handicap. She says, everybody at Harvest Church got a handicap. She said, mine is just more visible. And I walked away pondering what she said. And I said, you know, that girl told the truth. All of us got an issue. And if God doesn't help us, man, that thing will destroy us. Yeah, yeah. And so there is therefore now no condemnation. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. 
click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.